Like mm-hmm. if you have a business idea, do the smallest possible next step um, towards it just right away. If you think that you want to start like a new social network or something um, for, I don't know, dog lovers or whatever, call up five of your friends who love dogs and ask them what could be better about the social networks they use. Or if you, you know, have an idea for, you know, like, like I say, I want to get into lawyers or something with referrals. Maybe I should call up a bunch of lawyers and ask them what could help them out. But just like, you really don't need money or some big thing to start a business. And it's usually just one step at a time. Like if you have an idea, just do something, do something right now about it. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's uh, grown uh, several startups in the seven, eight-figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help uh, startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and grab some uh, time with us to chat. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, Phil Kirkheiner. And uh, Phil is, um, so originally he was in high school, was very involved with, uh, I think, drumline is, and was hardcore into bands and uh, was wanting to be a drummer, um, even made, I think, his own Dance Dance Revolution step charts for his music um, and did that for a period of time, got a scholarship for drumline to BYU. And on the first day that he was at BYU, felt like music wasn't what he was meant to do or wasn't what he was going to go into. So gave the scholarship back, decided to go into an accounting instead, and then uh, worked for an entrepreneur for a bit of time. And it sounds like that was, it was an interesting entrepreneur. Maybe we'll share a little bit on that. Um, Got the accounting degree, didn't like his internships, did a bit of door-to-door sales during the summer, and then uh, started a couple side hustles, I think, that have uh, started to grow into a bit more of a, a business that uh, is uh, working, as well as doing a couple other things. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Phil. Hey, thanks a lot, Devin. Happy to happy to be here. It's fun to hear you tell me that story back to myself. I was like, oh, wow, I've, I've had a life. That's right. Hey, you've been impre- you've had an impressive life. So, so maybe taking us back a little bit in time to high school, kind of doing drumline, being in band, and then how that how or take us to your story a bit. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I consider myself a creative person. I mean, I'm not a a painter or an artist necessarily, but I really enjoyed playing drums and and writing songs and you know creating things mm. and. Uh, you know, I've always kind of had that with me, even when I was studying accounting in school. I mean, I thought accounting was just a safe career path, but it got really boring really fast because mm. I wasn't really creating anything. Mm. Um, but that's kind of why I've been drawn to entrepreneurship, because you can take the business and the numbers side of things and create something in a way that makes money, a lot more money than I could have made doing music. So, um, so yeah. So, so you did that drumline, you were talented, you, you know, thought that was fun and exciting. You did that throughout high school and you're obviously good enough to get to the BYU. And, you know, that's a, a compliment accomplishment in and of itself is to, to be at that level that they're willing to give you a scholarship and uh, to bring or bring you there, but then walk us through a little bit. Cause I think when we chatted before you got to, to BYU or Brigham Young university and kind of the first day you just didn't feel good about the drumline or what kind of made you decide to switch from doing more of the drumline to doing going into accounting yeah totally um 
I don't know. I mean, it was one of those things where I really enjoyed drumline and music. And maybe part of me was afraid that if I made that exclusively what I did for my career, that I wouldn't enjoy it as much anymore. And you know, I, I liked all of my other classes in school and I was interested in a whole lot of things. And um, I don't know, it was just one of those things where I maybe I was scared or maybe mm. I thought that I wouldn't make that much money doing it. But ultimately, I just didn't want to pigeonhole myself into into that one thing. But it was scary, man. I mean, um, I mean, my teachers from high school and then, you know, all of the professors in the music school and then my parents and all my friends and everyone kind of knew me as the drumline guy. And uh, I guess I was kind of feeding off of their, you know, encouragement from it. And I really enjoyed drumline, but I guess in my heart, I just feeling like I, I didn't want to commit 100% to that and that alone, you know, mm. so so now, days, so, but, so you say, okay, you know, whether it's a bit scared or you're not sure if you can make a career out of it or where you'll be able to support yourself, kind of making that decision, okay, while I, you know, I enjoy it and it's fun and, it's, you know, it's an exciting type of thing, I'm going to go in a bit different direction. At that point, how did you decide, you know, that, um, you know, to go into accounting or to make that pivot or kind of how did you decide, okay, I'm going to do something different? How did you decide what direction to go? Yeah. Um, well, um, this guy that I worked for my senior, after my senior year of high school, I had a summer internship working for this guy who got his accounting degree and he was an entrepreneur and he ended up going to jail, but um, he <laughs> told me that, you know, with an accounting degree, you can do anything because it's this hard skill set and you understand the numbers, you can make the numbers work for you. Um, and I thought that so was just cool. Out of, you know, just out I your curiosity. <laughs> I know I'm interrupting. Going to jail was it something to do with accounting or embezzling or something of that nature, or was it unrelated as, as to why you went to jail? Honestly, I'm still not entirely sure what it was, but it was something fraud related. All right, um, fair enough. And that's what I don't know. don't want to name names and don't need to know. But I'm just curious. That <laughs> you can do anything you want to do with accounting, including embezzle money. That's the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> so, just was curious, but yeah. so. Anyway, so he kind of, you know, gave you that, you know, feedback and gave you that a bit of that direction and kind of set you on the, the path to get an accounting degree. Is that right? Yeah. And to be fair, when I was on, um, I did a two-year mission for my church and I was in mm. Central America when he was going through all this stuff. So when I left on my mission, it was kind of deciding what I was going to do. I was already let, had this impression and it wasn't because he went to jail or anything that I wanted to do this. Mm. But um. So anyway, um, I really enjoyed the numbers stuff and um, I thought it was really cool to make it all work for you. And just like with drums, I had to practice and get the tools and the fundamentals down before I could, you know, mm. join and be a part of a band and create a song and, um, and make something really cool. I felt like understanding numbers and accounting was all kind of the same way. If I really understood how a business works and, you know, reading the music, I mean, like reading the the language of business, which is the numbers, like, like reading music is for drums and everything else. I thought that'd be pretty cool. And it turned out to be really great. I mean, even now, um, when I think of business ideas, I, um, I can think of them, you know, in terms of like the actual dollar signs and how everything would work rather than just thinking this would be so cool, you know? Sure. Um, I think it's been an advantage. 
I might have lost track of your question when it was just a minute ago. But No, you're, you're good. And I think you answered the question. So now you're saying, okay, so you got the accounting, you know, you switched from drumline to accounting degree. You had, you know, the mentor that while he may have, uh, he gave you good advice, even if he didn't necessarily uh, keep or take his own advice, so to speak. And you get the accounting degree. But I think you may, if I remember when we chatted a bit before the podcast is that you also, um, you kind of did some internships in accounting and decided that, while, you know, while it's maybe a good career path, it wasn't one that you found exciting or wasn't one that you decided you wanted to do as a career path. Is that about right? Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, public accounting, you know, the firm, the companies that, you know, audit the financial statements of, um, you know, corporations everywhere. There's kind of this corporate grind culture where you work long hours and you're up late and there's this busy season with this going, going, going. And all you're really doing, it felt like is just checking boxes to make sure someone else did things right. I didn't feel like there was any sort of creative juices behind it beyond like literally just getting paid to work really hard so that somebody could put, like at the end of the day, no matter how hard you worked or no matter how great you did, all all the all the work just gets put like a stamp, you know, on the company. That's all it is. And um, I didn't really get a lot of fulfillment out of that. And so I said, I don't really want to do this, but I'm at the same time, I was super jealous of everybody who really enjoyed it because if you're good at accounting and you like it, you'll always have a job and mm-hmm. it's very, very predictable. You know, you know, you get your, you're an accountant and then your controller, then you could be a CFO and then whatever else. And it's just like very predictable. And that's what traditional accountants like, but um, mm-hmm. it's not what. I was super attracted to part of the hours probably got to me as well. I just didn't like working 70 hours for. So now is your, so, you know, you've kind of made a transition a couple times, right? One was from drumline that you did enjoy, but didn't have the, you know, didn't necessarily maybe a bit worried or didn't know how that would work with the career and whether or not it would ruin the fun of it, so to speak. And so you say, okay, I'm going to go into accounting. And while you could do accounting, you don't kind of have that same excitement or that same level of fulfillment. So with those type kind of things playing, how did you kind of figure out what you wanted to do or where did you go to from there? Yeah. Um, so from there I figured, okay, well, well, I guess I should, I should say I didn't really do anything super consciously after my accounting internships. It was more like I need money cause I'm getting married this summer. So what can I do to make a lot of money? Okay. Well, I'm going to do door to door pest control sales. Um, because my buddies say I can make a lot of money. Who knows if it's a scam or not? Like, it sounds too good to be true. You can make, you know, 30 to $70,000 in the summer. But I mean, I think I'm a, a nice enough guy. I mean, I'm sure I can sell something to these people. Mm. And uh, I actually had a really great time. I was out knocking doors. I was working just as many or more hours at, than I was at Deloitte, but I was out knocking doors outside, talking to people all the time, getting rejected most of the time uh you know people don't like their doors being knocked and being sold something but and i made way more money doing that in less time than i was getting paid overtime at deloitte even um with my internship and accounting i said okay well this is clearly a sign if i like getting doors slammed in my face and i'm better at this than (laughs) than the accounting stuff then maybe i should do something that's um you know sales related or, or business related and kind of combine my my talents and do something like that. And so, you, so, so then you went into sales, did that, did that for a period of time. Um, you know, it was, 
realizing that, hey, this was, I need some money. I'm getting, you know, married, got to support, you know, got to have an income and those type of things. But then how did you, I think that if I remember you kind of at the same time, you had an experience with opening bank accounts and looking at bonuses and how that might work and kind of that had started as, in parallel to some of the other things you're doing. And that's where you started to have interest or focus on or um, transition yep. to. Yep. Um, so around this time, um, I got connected with some of my accounting friends who are opening up bank accounts very often. And I had no idea why. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I asked them, it's like, Hey, why do you have so many bank accounts? Why are you always calling banks? Or you have money troubles? Like you need some help. And they said, no, I, we're actually calling and opening all these bank accounts in the different banks to you know get the sign up bonuses you know you set you open an account you set up your direct deposit you get 200 bucks and uh that's it that's the whole thing and tons and tons of banks are doing it so i said oh this is really cool and i was a college student you know i was just an accounting intern uh, between semesters and i said okay well i'm gonna do this so every single week of my whole 12-week internship i moved my money into different banks with my paycheck and made like 1500 bucks and I used it to fly back to Central America where I did my mission. I used it to go to Southern California for some skating convention, you know, some like skating meetups and stuff. And I thought it was so cool that I could just have this free kind of money. And that was kind of my first experience with entrepreneurship, I guess I could say, you know, just finding an opportunity and taking advantage of it. And so I got back from school um, after one of my accounting internships. And then I kind of put together the spreadsheet of every single bank account offer that was being promoted by banks and how much the bonus was and where you needed to live and all the requirements. And then I would tell my buddies about it at BYU because BYU's got people from all over the country, right? I mean, people come there from every state, um, you know, because it's a church sponsored school. So there's church members everywhere. And Mm. um, so I would filter my spreadsheet to my friends, you know, states and how much money they made. And I just send off a whole bunch of copies of these spreadsheets everywhere. Mm. Um, until eventually my buddy's like, Hey, you know, this is pretty cool. You should make a website out of it. So while I was still at school, um, my friend, Matt and I, we kind of took all this data that we were collecting in spreadsheets and prototyped out a website where you could go to it. And right now, now it's called everybankbonus.com. Mm. And you can just go to the website, you can put in where you live, how much money you make, how much you have money you have saved, and you can find all of the bank account signup bonuses on there. Anywhere, they're worth anywhere from $1,000 to $50 each, hmm. and you can just take advantage. I mean, if you go right now, you could probably search your state and find there's $10,000 worth of free bank signup bonuses wherever, in pretty much any state. Hmm. Um, and it's been awesome. We have a I mean, we we kind of built it out in school and then finished it up as part of a capstone project and uh, launched it to Reddit. And especially right now with current events, I mean, Reddit can love something and really rally around it or not. Maybe we can see that with the GameStop stocks going crazy today. But um, in a very much smaller form, uh, this Reddit group rallied around our website and has really been loving it for the past few years. And that was like my first really cool success with entrepreneurship even if it was just really small that really, that got me going mm. for sure 
So and so now in, in, in you know I, I leave it up to the the starving college students so to speak to figure out how to game the system as far as that to take advantage of the the bank bonus but I think that that's an ingenuity an ingenuitive way to make some extra side money or to be able to do a couple extra things so now as you kind of say okay you know this is one where you know there's a bit of demand friends are asking for it I'll do something there. Now, was this going to, was the intent to make this kind of just a fun or a side hobby, side hu- or hobby or side hustle? Is it something that you're looking to grow and kind of what are you doing in the meantime or in addition to that? Is it a full-time gig and you're making, you figured out how to monetize it? Is it a hobby and you're working a full-time gig elsewhere or how does that work out? Yeah. Uh, so every bank bonus um, is definitely a side hustle. It doesn't take much time to manage. We have I mean, there's four of us that were in a group together that kind of put it together. And now we all have full-time things that we do on the side and just spend a few hours a week making sure the content's up to date, making sure that we're adding you know features that people ask for and whatnot. And it generates enough money that it's worth it to us and um, it can be sustainable. So that's been really fun. And since then, you know, after I graduated and decided I didn't want to go into accounting, um, I did work for about a year and a half for the pest control company that I was selling door to door for. I worked for them as a financial analyst after I graduated. And at that point, after having sold all the products, then I got to kind of see the back end of how, you know, all the operations worked to, um, to service all of the pest control customers. And um, I saw exactly the finances and, um, and why people got into the pest control business in the first place, because it's really attractive industry. I mean, pest control is a recurring quarterly service with high margins and, um, and lots of really effective sales channels. So I was just really attracted to the, the industry itself, mm. learned a ton, made a lot of friends in it. And then my wife's a little bit younger than me. And when she was going to graduate from BYU, we knew that we were going to move away from Utah and somewhere new. So I was kind of planning like, okay, in April of 2020, I'm going to be moving away from Utah and have to figure out what I'm going to do for work since I can't be working at GreenX Pest Control anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, at that point, I was, you know, for the whole year before that, the whole time while I was working at GreenX, I was thinking of business opportunities in, in ways that I could kind of See, like I was looking for opportunities within the pest control space or within the home services space and or within, you know, even the bank bonus space, you know, just kind of finding ways to, to monetize. And I came across this idea where, you know, all of these pest control companies are paying hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars for inbound sales leads. You know, they're having all these online campaigns to get people to, to call in to sign up for their service. But um the average consumer doesn't know the difference between, you know, general residential pest control versus termite pest control versus bed bug versus, you know, raccoon trapping and other wildlife. And there's all these different, you know, sub services within pest control. Mm. And a lot of pest control companies don't do every single type of service. Mm. So all of these companies are spending a ton of money to drive leads when, you know, anywhere from four to 10% of them, call in and they're unqualified, like they don't do the service that they offer. And Hmm. no one was, you know, monetizing those calls, even though they're, you know, customers wanting to buy right there, no one was referring them or doing anything with them. Hmm. And then same thing when customers would call in and they say, hey, I'm a current happy customer, I'm moving to another market. Um, We'd say, well, sorry, we don't service there. It was great knowing you, goodbye. Or another Hmm. time someone calls in, hey, I really want to sign up, but I live, 
you know, in this city to say, oh, we don't service that city. Sorry. It's just like all of these times, like paying for customers to call just to tell them no, you know? So I'm like, okay, well, there's gotta be an opportunity here. So mm. just how, uh, the same kind of way that I, with the bank bonuses, I saw like, oh, this is something people want. And there's value here with like the, the free money, I guess. Mm. Um, there's money that's getting wasted. I noticed that there's money getting wasted with people calling into all of these pest control companies that, you know, weren't being helped. So what I do full-time now is I have a company called Baton, like Pass the Baton, where mm. pest control or other type of companies can, anytime someone calls in, and it's unqualified, they can refer that customer to another company and get paid for it, right? Mm. So they say, oh, we don't service that area, but let me refer you to someone. We don't do that service, but let me refer you to someone. And uh, that's kind of what we're doing to help them help them take care of those customers, monetize those, those interactions a little more. So still young, but got customers. Uh, 2021 is looking pretty promising. And that's, uh, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm up to now, Devin. Well, cool. So now, if you now if you were to look kind of forward just a bit and say, okay, next steps. What do you what do you have planned? Where are you going to go? You know, you got a few different ideas. You got the bit of the you know the banking bonuses type business that you know people are using and can get that information a bit. You've also say, okay, I've got an idea as to how we can monetize or take advantage of the leads that people are working hard to drive and yet aren't able to service or how you do that. Where do you see the next six to twelve months going? Um, man, as an entrepreneur, you, it's like you have this vision, but you never know what could come up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I just want to grow my referral network and the pest control vertical to cover every service across the whole country and just have a really robust network of companies that you could, that any company can just jump into my network and refer to anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Later this fall, once we really nailed the network and the processes, um, invest heavily in just getting people in and growing the heck out of it. But for the next probably six months to 12 months, it's all about just dialing in the processes and gathering data and making our first customers happy before we you know, take that you know, solid brand and business model and just ramp it up. And then secondly, mm-hmm. I'm looking into... Um, the lawyer space too. I feel mm. like lawyers refer customers to each other all the time. And there's sometimes that lawyers don't know who they don't know someone in their network who they can refer to in the moment. Mm. And I know lawyers pay a ton of money for leads. So maybe there's an opportunity there, but I don't know yet. But um, if I, if this pest control stuff goes well, maybe I'll dig into the law sector. I don't know. Cool. Well, sounds like a lot of different opportunities, a lot of uh, directions that you can take and uh, grow the businesses and uh, expand into different verticals. So, well, as we start to wrap up the podcast, and I always ask two questions at the end of each podcast, so we'll jump to those now. So the first question is, so along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Oh, man, the worst one I ever made. Um. I haven't done anything too high stakes yet, but probably the worst business decision I made would have been when we launched every bank bonus to Reddit, we were just like super not optimized and I probably missed out on building a mailing list. Well, I didn't, I didn't ask anybody for their emails. So we had like 15 or 20,000 hits 
mm. right away when we launched this thing and I didn't capture anybody's email address. Mm. And looking back, like the growth ever since then has been like super, you know, kind of slow, but I feel like had I done some, had I just thought a little more, um, I feel like every bank bonus would be probably two or three times the traffic or size it is had I been a little more, you know, mm. methodical about how we launched. Um, I just think it was kind of poor, but it's, it all worked out in the end, but that was probably the biggest thing I missed out on was the, the opportunity cost of, of that. No, and I think that, you know, that's, but it's an easy one. You're just saying, Hey, it's, it's cool. It's exciting. I think people will like it. And you don't necessarily think of now, how do I monetize it or how do I capture people or how do I leverage people coming to the site? So I think it's a good lesson to learn of, you know, one thing I learned um, as we brought on some marketing people is always kind of have a call to action, right? Something that you want somebody to do. And I think to your point is, you know, one of the things is, is to capture that information such that you're able to provide other services or give them notifications or updates or anything else of that nature. Second question I always ask is, so along, or if you're now talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? I just say start now, do something. Um, the, the worst thing you can do when you're trying to start a business is just, you know, be all in your head and doubting and feel like there's just some big barrier to entry to do it. Like if you have a business idea, do the smallest possible next step, um, towards it just right away. If you think that you want to start like a new social network or something, um, for, I don't know, dog lovers or whatever, Call up five of your friends who love dogs and ask them what could be better about the social networks they use. Or if you, you know, have an idea for, you know, like like I say, I want to get into lawyers or something with referrals. Maybe I should call up a bunch of lawyers and ask them what could help them out. But just like you really don't need money or some big thing to start a business, and it's usually just one step at a time. Like if you have an idea, just do something. Do something right now about it. All right. Well, fair enough. Well, I think that's great advice. And it's honestly in different forms. I think that's uh, the, mo- the most common advice that entrepreneurs have to other people. If you're talking to someone saying, get going, figure it out. Don't worry about it. Don't be afraid and those type of things, because you'll always, you'll, you'll either find you love it and you'll have opportunities, and you'll create it, or you'll say, Hey, this isn't a good idea. And you'll move on and, and whatnot. But I think getting, just getting going is oftentimes the best place to start. Well, as P, as we wrap up, people want to uh, reach out to you. They want to find out more. They want to use your, you know, either of your uh, companies. They want to be clients. They want to be investors. They want to be employees. They want to be your next best friend. Any or all of the above, what's the best way to uh, reach out and connect up with you? Totally. Uh, you can send me an email at phil at batonleads.com. Baton, like B-A-T-O-N, leads.com. Um, that's probably the best way. Or you can uh, hit me up on Facebook, Phil Kirkheiner. I'm the only Phil Kirkheiner on all of Facebook. So hit me up. All right. There, hey, well, that, that, that's, a, a, that's something in and of itself. So be the only one of, or on Facebook with <laughs> all of us users. So there you go. 
Well, we're at, before we wrap up, we do have the bonus question that Phil has um, to ask uh, his top intellectual property question. So for all of your listeners, if you want to st- or stick around, listen after we wrap up, definitely can hear that question and that answer. Otherwise, if you, uh, for the normal podcast listeners, if you, have, uh, if you have your own journey to tell and you want to come on and be a guest on the podcast, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. If you're a listener, also make one, make sure to click subscribe on wherever you listen to the podcast and two, leave us a review so new people can find out about the great podcast. Last but not least, if you have any uh, needs for patents or trademarks or anything, reach out to us by going to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Thank you again, Phil, if you'll hold on and uh, appreciate you coming on. No, yeah, I'm super happy for it. Thank you. Absolutely. So now, now that we've wrapped up the normal podcast, you indicated that you were, uh, had or wanted to do the bonus question, which is asking your top intellectual pro- property, whether it's patents, trademarks, or other things, asking your top question, and we'll have a, a quick conversation about that. So with that, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. To, you get to ask me a question. I, I don't get to pepper you with any more questions, but what's your top intellectual property <laughs> question? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, my, none of my businesses have some sort of like really cool new invention, right? They don't have, um, like I didn't reinvent the wheel for anything that I would think to patent. Mm. But um, for example, my name of the company is Baton. And, mm. you know, it's a pretty common word. I mean, is it worth something that I should trademark it right away? And if so, then how? And, uh, or like even for every bank bonus, I mean, I don't expect a lot of people to use every bank bonus, but like, do I need to trademark that or what's, what's the risk there? Yeah. So I think that the, the general genesis of the question or the way I'd answer the question is when you're looking at whether or not it's your trademark something. So trademarks go towards a brand, right? So if you think of Nike, you're thinking of Apple, you're thinking of Pepsi, Coke, M&M, Starbucks, whatever it is, there's a lot of different brands out there and they have a lot of their value tied up in the brand. And so when you're looking at intellectual property in general, including trademarks, it's really where do you see the value of your business? Meaning, are you trying to create, you know, the world's best widget? And if that's the case, you're going to go more towards a patent. You're going to, if you're going to create the next great iPhone or whatever it might be, then you'll patent it because that's the value of the business. But on the other hand, you're saying what I'm really looking to do is build a brand around this business. So when people are looking for leads, they go to, you know, and they're in the pest control business, or if you branch into the legal business, then they're saying, okay, we go to the baton leads because they're a great lead generator place and if you're saying that's where we're a value the business is then you're going to want to protect it so that other people don't use start using the same name or similar names and start to or leverage off or try and play off of your uh your brand name so that's generally you know whether or not you should go to get a trademark or any intellectual property is really saying how we're what are we doing to for, or is our business and if it's in the brand or branding space and you're wanting to make sure that you as you grow the brand that you have it protected that's when you jump onto it and vice versa if you're saying no it's we're gonna there's a whole bunch of companies and we're going to just beat them on you know seo so we'll just make sure we're the top ranked one and we don't care about you know branding and if somebody else has the same brand they're not going to beat us on search engine optimization then it's probably less important so that's kind of how i would start to tackle it is depending on if you have if you're seeing that either the plant either you have value now and you have customers they're starting to associate with the brand or that's a plan for where you're going to build a value into the business then you definitely want to look at getting it uh, protecting that brand given that that's where the value is Cool. Is it ever too late to protect it? 
Um, usually if, is it, if it's too late, it's because somebody else has already protected it. Meaning one is, let's say you started to build a brand and either by happenstance or because somebody liked your brand, they said they went and filed it first. Well, then generally it's much more difficult if somebody else goes and files a trademark first for you to be able to get a brand on it yourself. So let's say Baton Leads takes off, has a million clients, you know, million customers, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue as an example, and hopefully it does someday. Um, but, but you never register the trademark and somebody else comes and registers a trademark, then what can happen is, is that they can start to box you out of uh, places across the U.S. So let's say as an example, Baton Leads only focused on Utah and that was a place that it was going to generate all the leads. That's where it had all the connections. But now, in, and so you never registered it, you keep using in Utah. And somebody else goes and uh, files a uh, trademark for the federal registration for Baton Leads. If they were to get that file on it first, they get the trademark, you can keep using that same trademark in Utah because that's where you've already been using it, but you can't expand out. So you can't go to any other states. You couldn't grow the business and you're kind of stuck there because you don't have the rights to that name for anything outside of where you were using it prior to somebody else filing on it. So that's one of the things is, is sometimes being too late if somebody else files on it first. The other thing is that if you... Um, you don't want to get into it to where you built it. If somebody else, let's say it already filed on Baton Lee. So un, uh, unbeknownst to you, somebody else already owns that name. They've already filed on it. They already have a trademark. And then you start building a brand, a brand on it. And then you go years, build a brand. Everybody knows it. It's very, it's a well-known brand. And some, then they come along and say, well, you don't own it. And now you're infringing our rights to our trademark. Then you have to rebrand your whole, you'll have to rebrand your business or you have to work at a deal or licensing from them, all of which can be very costly and time intensive in order to try and rebrand or to pay them off or acquire their brand. And so those are kind of the two times is, you know, when is it too late? Well, if somebody else has already trademarked it, it can be difficult. Or if somebody else, because they either by happenstance or because they like your brand trademarks at first, those are both issues where it can be too late and it creates some issues. That makes sense. So that's why there's lawyers like you go out and make sure there's no problems. That that's the, that's the mission or that's the goal. So, well, perfect. Awesome. We'll appreciate the bonus question. Great question. And if anybody else has any other, if you have you or anybody else ever has any other questions, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time for us to chat with us. We're always happy to help. Now, as we wrap up the podcast, I want to thank you again, Phil, for coming on. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun. And wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much, Devin. I'm super grateful for the opportunity. It was good to, it was good to talk. My Thanks pleasure. Thank you.